0: Amen. Thank you, Donna. Well, let's take your Bibles tonight, please turn to Second John. Second John, you're almost at the back of your Bible, right before Revelation. First, second, third John, then Jude, then Revelation. All these books are very small, so if you try to flip through many pages, you won't find it. You know, you'll skip right over it. Go to Revelation and back up just a couple pages and you'll come right to Second John. Second John. Amen. Well, we're glad tonight to have those back that were baptized this morning down here. Praise the Lord and uh, pray for you that you'll grow. And I want to encourage you to pray uh, for the propers here and, and pray also for uh, Darlene that was baptized this morning that they may continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We had some others come this morning and talk to us and say, we need to be discipled. We need to grow praise the Lord for that. People making decisions in the word of God. And had two more come to us this morning and said, we need to be baptized. And so praise the Lord. God can still work through a pandemic. He doesn't uh, phased one bit. He knows exactly uh, what's going on and he's in control. And so you continue to pray that uh, God would work and God would allow us. We've had to at times be creative, haven't we? And uh, do different things and try different things. And some have worked and some have failed. But, uh, you know, if you just keep preaching the gospel, it always will work. And uh, somebody said, "You the problem with the, uh, why the, the only reason the gospel doesn't work is because we don't work the gospel, and we're not out sharing it like we ought to." So just keep being faithful, keep telling people about Christ. Let them see uh, the love of Christ in you. Second John tonight. Second John, we'll read the entire chapter. The entire. Well, let's read the whole book. How about we do that? And I don't mean to scare you, but it's only thirteen verses. But let's have a look here at Second John tonight. The Bible says, "The elder unto the elect lady and her children." whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever, grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Well, let me just stop there for a moment and say this. You know, it is a... Habitual greeting that we see throughout the word of God for somebody to say grace and peace be with you But I have to believe that when somebody reads it written from the hand of an apostle It means something To to receive this blessing of God to to know that he is sharing with us God's grace and God's peace It must have really warmed the heart of this lady to receive a letter like this That she understood that this apostle, this man named John, who walked with Jesus Christ, is saying, God has extended his grace and his peace towards me. What a wonderful comfort. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Let me stop right there for a moment as well. The Apostle John didn't mince words, did he? We often look as well, we feel sorry for people that don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. and we uh, Listen, let me me say this. The humanists and the atheists are taking over the world. And you say, well, you know, the believers, will win out in the end. And, And yes, at the end of Revelation, Christ will come back and judge the nations. But you understand the devil is the prince and power of the air. That Adam lost this domain when he sinned. He didn't any longer have dominion over the earth. The animals began to bite. And the ground became overgrown with thorns and thistles. And sin quickly became so bad that God had destroyed the world with a flood. The devil became the prince of this world. And we understand that we often say, well, praise the Lord, we'll pray for, and we ought to pray for these folks, and we ought to be preaching the gospel, and we ought to be telling them about Jesus and loving them to Christ. I understand that, but John says, no, 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 wait a minute, they are deceivers and antichrist. Now let me say this, somehow we have to balance out and recognize the difference. There are unbelievers who are tender to the gospel, there are people in this world that if we take the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, the Holy Spirit will do his work and pierce the, and prick their heart and draw them to Christ. But there are some, and I'm not saying, I'm, listen, I'm, don't go home tonight and say, well, Pastor says there's some people who can't be saved. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there are some that are crossing the line of the work of the Antichrist. The Bible says so. They are deceivers. They are antichrist as the spirit of lost people in this world. And we ought to be very careful to understand that. And you say, why is that so important? Because you may be able to discern as an adult, but your children cannot. I, I'd be very careful today in what my kids are learning in the public schools. I'm not saying go pull your kids out. I'm not, I'm not trying to give you instruction tonight as far as, hey, the pastor says, we ought to be doing this in our home. I'm, not, I'm just going to give you Bible principles. I'm just saying I'd be very careful about what's being taught to your children in the schools today. I'd be very careful about social media. Amen? Amen. Come on now. Some of the things that we see and we place before our eyes on social media, I'm telling you, uh, it's interesting. And I know we all got on there for, because we want to see the grandbabies, right? And we got on there because we want to know what somebody else is having for supper, Because really, that's what it's devolved into in a lot of play cases. Well, you know, I got supper on. Well, good. I'm so glad I tuned in because I wouldn't want to miss what you're having for supper. And and it was pretty harmless at the start. But let's be honest, there's a lot of junk on there. And I'm not saying just garbage in in the sense of profanity and vulgarity and things like that. I'm talking about stuff with an agenda. And when it has an agenda, it is the spirit of Antichrist to draw you away from Jesus Christ. Now, that's not the message tonight. I, wanna, I just want to stop and say that in verse 7 and 8 as we see what it says. Now look at verse 8. Everybody's back there at verse 8 with me. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Now, notice verse 9, I'm, I'm going to preach before I ever preach. Listen, he does not say everybody who goes to church has Christ. He says, he who abideth in the doctrine of Christ has Christ, has both the Father and the Son. He said, what is the doctrine of Christ? Doctrine is just Bible truth. It is a a group of beliefs or a, a truth that is formed together around a central figure and the central figure in this Christ is Jesus Christ. And so we are to understand that somebody can come in and they can, they can say, well, I come to church and I enjoy the singing and I, and I, I talk about God in the, in the week, during the week and I, I stand for moral right and I, and I believe good things. And, but friends, if they don't have Christ in their heart, they're lost. That's all that matters is do they have Christ? They'll stand before God having known a lot of things They'll say, have I not prophesied in thy name? And have I cast out demons in your name? And he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Verse 10. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. For he that biddeth him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that your joy, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the time of worship tonight that we have sing praises to your name. And Lord, sometimes we sing these songs and We mean to worship and to praise you, but it just edifies my heart. To behold our God seated on his throne. What a wonderful reminder of God's almighty power. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts with it, but also that you'd receive much glory and praise. Father, as we turn to your word now, we pray that you'd quiet our hearts, that we'd be able to hear that still small voice that you'd speak to us, that the Holy Spirit of God would have full sway in each one of us, and that we'd be obedient to him. Father, I surrender to you and I ask for your filling. The Lord will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible teaches very plainly that there are two judgments. There's the judgment of the believer for his works. You understand that we will stand at the bema seat of Christ or the judgment seat of Christ and we will be judged for those things that are done in our body. Those things that will come through the tried as by fire and some will come through as gold, silver and precious stones and others will be burnt away as wood, hay and stubble. That is the judgment for the believer, the judgment for our works, those things that we did in the name of Christ, and they will be tried as a fire. And then we also understand there's the great white throne judgment at the end of the age where the Bible says the the death and hell will give up their dead, and the sea will give up their dead, and they'll stand before God. Whosoever is not found written in the Lamb's book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire. That's the judgment of the damned. We're not there, praise the Lord. We will give witness to that judgment. I believe that's why in the very next chapter it says that God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes after seeing that horrific time where soul after soul is cast in like a fire for having their name not found in the book of life. John is talking to this elect lady, and I believe he's referring to the first judgment we referenced the judgment of our works. The Bible very plainly states as he writes and introduces his letter that he's writing to an elect lady, a saved lady. She knew Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, her family was doing well as as well. He says, I rejoice to find that thy children are walking in truth. That's a wonderful thing for this lady to be saved and her children are saved, but I have a suspicion about this lady as well. I don't believe that she had a local church. You say, why is that? Because normally letters were written to churches. The epistles that we see in the Bible were written sometimes to the pastors, like Titus or Timothy. And other times they were written to churches, like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and so on, Corinthians and Romans. But this was a general epistle. And it was written to one person. That's very unusual in the Word of God. And I believe that the reason that he writes this letter is for a few reasons, but we make some observations about some of the things that he says to her. He rejoices, first of all, that her children are found walking in truth. He encourages her to love other people and to encourage them. He warns in verse 9 and 10 of false teachers that spirit of antichrist that could creep in. He says, if anybody comes to your door and they have not the doctrine of Christ, don't let them in your house and do not bid them Godspeed, speed, but put them out quickly. You don't want to be tainted by that foolishness. He tells her to work hard at not losing the things that she has wrought in verse 8. It's an odd statement, but we'll come back to it in a moment. And he's telling her that others would come in the name of Christ to try to draw her away. The advice that John gives to this lady is helpful and It's good for all of us to examine and apply to our lives, but I want to focus in on just verse 8 for this evening, and we're just going to take a few moments and take that verse apart and see what the Bible says. Notice what verse 8 says with me tonight. It says, look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. I said a moment ago that I believe that this woman probably did not have a local church to attend. I, it is my suspicion that John was traveling from place to place and preaching the gospel in different churches and in different places and establishing churches. And on his journey, he met this lady and perhaps led her to the Lord and led her children to the Lord. And now they were doing well and they were walking in truth. And he was excited about the prospect of coming back and seeing her again and encouraging her in the Lord and discipling her further. But he writes this letter and he says, Look to yourself. It kind of implies that she doesn't have a pastor to teach her. She doesn't have a Sunday school to go to. She doesn't have a spiritual mentor in her life that is living next door. There's no ladies' fellowship league. There's there's no soul-winning night. There's there's nothing for her to do to, to grow in her faith and to, to extend her walk with Christ unless she looks to herself. They say, wait a minute, Pastor, we can't look to ourselves. We have to look to the Word of God. And we're going to get to that in a moment, but that's exactly what he's telling her to do. In essence, what he's saying is take responsibility here. If you're going to grow in Christ, and if you want your children to turn out, you need to take some responsibility. So look to yourself, that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we receive A full reward. Let's break it down, can we? Look first of all at that second phrase that we see in verse 8. That we lose not the things, that we lose not those things which we have wrought. Now John had instilled in this lady some principles and practices that would ensure her spiritual growth. Peter tells us this, he says that we have been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Let me illustrate it this way, and let me ask you this. We've just come out through a, a, this, this lockdown for part of it, and some of it was quarantine. I imagine some of you said, well, I'm just going to kind of stay in for a few weeks, and I'm going to try to see if this will blow over. And how many of you would say I, I stayed in pretty carefully for a couple weeks at least? Yeah, lots of us did, didn't we? And uh, let me ask you this. During that quarantine, how many of you watch more TV than you really like to watch? Be honest. Nobody? Come on, you bunch of liars. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. How many of you ate more than you'd like to eat? Yeah, there we go. So, so we don't have a problem with TV. We have a problem with gut and gluttony. Let's just be honest, all right? We ate more than we wanted to eat, didn't we? Do you know whose fault that was? as yours. Matter of fact, you probably had to prepare all the food yourself. Nobody was forcing it down your throat. I'm just saying, you know, we we say, well, the government, you know, this this lockdown, the government, Prime Minister Trudeau caused me to gain 15 pounds. No, he didn't. We need to take responsibility. Understand what is going on here. A lot of times when we are in a church service and we are a part of a church family. We hear this. People will say, well, you know, pastor, I'm just not growing. Whose fault's that? Whose fault's that? Now, I understand. I understand. There's going to be times. Somebody said this, you get in the batter's box enough times you're bound to strike out. And I've pulled out old sermons and I thought, what was I thinking? I get that. But, But you know that If I never said a word tonight and all I did was read 2 John, the Holy Spirit can do something with that because that's his word. Those principles belong to God. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so there's a personal responsibility involved that we don't lose those things which we have wrought. Now let me ask you the question, what are the things which we have wrought? Now it's not about our salvation, is it? Not one of you in this room tonight, if you were a child of God, had anything to do with the salvation of your soul. All you did was believe. All you did was trusted in what was already completely finished. When we just heard Calvin and Amanda sing that song, I love that. It is finished was the victory cry. That was the end of the story. Jesus Christ paid all the price. He took upon himself all the sins of the world. He died in our place, and all we had to do is trust him. And so when it comes to salvation, we did not have anything to do with it. We cannot say, I wrought my own salvation. If you wrought your own salvation, you're lost tonight and on your way to hell. Maybe you say, well, I wrought my eternal security Christ saved me, but I'm I'm working to keep that salvation. Really? Because my Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If it's everlasting, you can't lose it. John 3.15 says he gave unto them eternal life. If it's eternal, you cannot lose it. I must work to, no, no, no. The Bible says he put his Holy Spirit upon you and he sealed you unto the day of redemption. You are a child of God, John chapter one, verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Let me ask you this. Cody, are you back, is that Cody? Okay, I just saw a bald head back there. Listen, you were a pretty rotten kid. Did your dad ever say, you're no longer my son? Never did? What if your dad said, you're no longer my son? Would that actually change anything? Not at all. Now perhaps you folks, maybe somebody here tonight, and I'm not trying to open up an old wound, but perhaps there was somebody here tonight who had a rotten father and says, you're no longer my child. Get out of my house. The truth is that didn't change a thing. They are still your child. That is a relationship that cannot be broken. It cannot be changed. There's no way to sever those ties. And the Bible says, but as many as receive them, they give you power to become the sons of God. I'm his child. It can never be broken. I can never be severed. So it wasn't my eternal security that was wrought. The lady had not wrought salvation. She had not wrought Her eternal security, she had not wrought her heavenly home. Ivan, can I I be honest with you? This may not happen, but chances you're going to get your heavenly home before me. Maybe. Maybe not. You're in better shape than I am. You're probably going to get your heavenly home before I do. Not likely? likely? (laughs) Ivan is... Ivan is proudly 90 years old and I'm 48. The chances are. And I'm not trying to scare him because he's ready. He knows where he's going. Amen? One day, I'm going to walk into heaven and I'm going to see Ivan there. And he's not going to be able to say, hey, come see my mansion because I built this. No, no, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. I go to prepare a place for you. You see, from the moment I got saved to the consummation of my heavenly home, I didn't do anything spiritually there. God did it all. So what is it the things that we have wrought? It's speaking of those works. Those things that we do for Christ. The things that we do in the name of Christ. The people we tell about Jesus, the the works that we've done when we stand one day, you'll notice the second part about a full reward, that we might receive a full reward. He's talking about standing before God at the judgment seat of Christ. And he says, What are those things you're bringing? What are those things that you're going to lay at my feet? What are those works that are going to have eternal value? What are those things that you have done that will last for Christ? You said, well, give me a list, pastor. I don't have one tonight. Here's why. Because the Holy Spirit is the still, small voice, and he whispers to your heart the things he would have you do. I'm not talking about a direct revelation. I'm not talking about God opening up the skies and, and calling you like the Macedonian call. But if you're saved tonight, you know the pleadings of the Holy Spirit. Hey, how many of you believe the Holy Spirit's real? He is the third person of the Trinity. He is not an it. He is a he. He's a person and he dwells within you. And he directs us and guides us every step of the way. I, 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 the, the Hayward sang that song this morning each step of the way I hadn't heard that song in probably 25 years but just the message of it boy just, I love it each step, every step I take if I'm trusting the Lord and I'm walking in the spirit he's there and he said well, what is this list of things the things that I have wrought here's, here's the best way to go about it just obey just obey whatever he says to do Years ago, we had had a church picnic at the Battlefield Park in Stony Creek. There was a homeless man sitting off under a tree somewhere, and we saw him come up the road, and he kind of came into the park, and he went under the tree, and he was just trying to find some place cool to rest on a Sunday afternoon. He had all these bags he was carrying, and he unloaded them off his back, and he laid them down, and we were having a church picnic with all this food. One of the teenagers loaded up another plate, and I mean, he was loading it up. And he, he was a teenage boy, so he'd already eaten a couple plates that looked like that. And one of the ladies got really upset with him. Don't you think you've had enough? Don't you think you just, you're making a pig of yourself now? And boy, she was letting him have it. He just quietly loaded that plate up, then he took it, and he walked. And it broke her heart when she saw him walk past the picnic tables over and give it to that man and lay it before him. When he came back, one of the men said, you know, I'm sick of her. Why didn't you just let her have it? Why didn't you just tell her to settle down? And here was his answer, and I'll never forget it. Because she didn't hear what the Lord was telling me to do. Wow, there's some maturity there. She didn't hear what the Lord was saying to my heart. So she just didn't understand. I can't give you a list of things that you must do for Christ. But God has them. He has given you spiritual gifts. And they're to be used to serve him more perfectly and to bring glory to his name. God has given you a local church to get involved in her ministries. And there are some things that we can do for God that we will stand before him. And we'll lay them before him. And he'll judge them with fire. There's a great verse in Revelation that says this. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. To reward them according to what I find them doing. What are we doing for Christ? This lady had been... Encouraged by John, he says, listen, don't lose those things which we have wrought. You keep being busy. He says, I want you to avoid the deceivers, and I want you to avoid the antichrist, and I want you to be careful that, that you stay away from all of that because there's a reward one day for serving Christ. Yes, you'd be tempted by false teachers to abandon that lifestyle, but he's saying I want you to discipline yourself. Now look at the last part of the verse. He says this, but that we receive a full Reward. Salvation guarantees you your heavenly home, but your reward is that which is given to you by Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me say this. We see many rewards in the Bible. and you know what they are? They're all crowns. There's a crown of rejoicing. There's a soul winner's crown. But you know what you do with those crowns? According to the word of God, you take them off and you lay them at Christ's feet. Hmm. I don't want to stand there one day and have nothing to lay at his feet. Now let me give you to the the crux of the message. Go back to the first part of verse eight. Look at those first few words. Look what he says. Look, 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 look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. I want to get to the end of that verse. I want to have something to give to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want wood, hay, and stubble, but I want gold and silver and precious stones. And I don't know how he'll translate that, if he'll take it and mold it into a crown that I can lay it at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I can glorify him forever. I don't know how all that's going to play out, but I want to have something. I want to get there. I want to have a crown for Christ. But look what he says. Verse 8, look to yourselves. I wanna give you four things quickly. Number one, when the Bible says look to yourselves, it speaks of personal vulnerability. What do you mean by that? It speaks of personal vulnerability. In other words, he's saying be careful. Be careful. Let me ask you this, how many of you have seen somebody fail? How many of you know somebody that used to go to church? How many of you know somebody that used to serve God? How many of you know somebody that used to sing in the choir, used to teach a Sunday school class, used to preach the gospel, used to be a great soul winner, used to love to read their Bible, they used to love to sing the hymns of the faith, and they used to, used to, used to. We all condemn a dozen people. Why? Because we're vulnerable. We're weak, we're frail. And he said, well, my goal is to get to that end of the verse. I, wanna, I, 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 I don't want to lose the things which I have wrought. I want to serve Christ all the days of my life that I might receive a full reward because I don't want to come empty-handed. I want to give Christ something. I want to lay down a crown at his feet. Then, Friends, you need to look to yourselves and understand that we are weak and we are frail and we are vulnerable. That we can do nothing without Christ. Truth is, we do so many works without Christ that they're fruitless and worthless. Only that which is done for Christ will last. You know, I often think about how many times we have tried to share the gospel without being filled with the Spirit of God. How many times we come to church and we've not prayed? We've not begged God for His presence. Let me ask you: Did you do that tonight? We have a great crowd here tonight, but I'm going to be honest. Sometimes Sunday night feels like an add-on service, doesn't it? We're just going through the motions. We're just here. I think Sunday night's just as important as Sunday morning. Let me say this, if we have church Sunday night, Monday night, Wednesday night, the second Thursday next week, it I doesn't matter when we have it, I think we ought to treat every service as important as another. Because we're gathering to worship the Lord. And we're gathering to hear from his word. And there ought, to be, there ought to be that desire to get into his presence and to meet with God. We do so much without God. Friends, you can do nothing without Christ. With God, all things were possible, but the opposite of that, without God, nothing is possible, spiritually speaking. We have a God of the impossible, as we learned this morning. It speaks of personal vulnerability. We are weak and we are frail. Let me say this secondly. It speaks of personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. Christ has provided for us, but we must do something with it. God has put something in your hands. 2 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul is writing to the church of Thessalon- or sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica, and he says this. Uh, that Paul says, I am, I am thankful, and we are blessed that we've been entrusted with the gospel. In other words, God put something in my hands. Now what am I going to do with it? It it ought it ought to humble us to think that God wants us to do anything. That he would trust feeble, frail mankind to take the word of God and to share it with the nations and tell others about Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that uh, no other foundation can any man lay than that which is already laid. Jesus Christ is our foundation, but we ought to take heed how we build upon it. And so it is a personal responsibility. Lady, look to yourself. Be sure you're not losing those things which we have wrought, that you receive a full reward. What are you doing for Christ? What are you doing in the name of Christ? Take some responsibility. Number three, it speaks of personal accountability. It speaks of personal accountability. If we fall away, who do we blame? It is certainly not God's fault. God hasn't gone anywhere in (laughs) eons. He's right where he's always been. In the story of the prodigal, we're reminded that the father never left. He's always right where he was. The son knew where he could go. He says, I will rise and go back to my father's house. Why? Because he'd find his father there. He'd find forgiveness there. He'd find grace and mercy there. He always knew where he could go back, but it is the, the mark of our generation today to blame everybody else. But friends, he's saying to this lady, look to yourself. Take responsibility for your vulnerabilities. Take responsibility for your life and make sure that you're accountable. Whose fault is it? You know, we just came through this time I guess we're still going through it, aren't we? The rules change every day. It's so hard to keep up with everything that's going on, and there's some concerns still, I suppose, with that virus going around. But for a while, we were pretty locked down there. We couldn't go to church. Let me ask you, whose responsibility was it for your spiritual growth then? Can I tell you the answer? the very same person it was before the lockdown and after. It's your job. It's your job to read your Bible. It's your job to, 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 to understand and to grow. And, to, and I'm not saying that it's always easy to do it on our own. And God has given us preachers and teachers and to, uh, uh, pastors, the Bible says, and elders and evangelists and all those things that he lists there in Romans. He, or First Corinthians, he's given us those things to profit us and to help us. But ultimately, this lady was all alone. She had nobody to blame but her if she had a problem. Who is she going to be accountable to? He was saying, take some accountability for yourself. Take responsibility for yourself. And make sure you're growing spiritually. There were people all around that wanted to pray on this lady. In verse 7, it says, There's deceivers are entered in the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is coming to the flesh. This is a deceiver. And an Antichrist, verse 9 says, Whoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Spirit. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. He's saying, listen, there are some people out there that would like to pray on you. And you're only accountable to you, ma'am. But that's enough because you have the word of God. We need to take responsibility. One more thing. It speaks of personal viability. What do you mean by that? Bethany was born uh, May the 1st, but she was due to be born on May the 13th. But my wife went in labor before Christmas. And about every week or two after that, we were going to the hospital. She was in labor. Several times we thought we were going to lose the baby. And she ended up on bed rest the last couple months. And the word that kept getting thrown around every time we went into the hospital, we thought we were having this baby at 20 weeks and then 24 weeks and then 25 weeks. There was more hope and they said this. It's possible that the baby is viable. Viable. I hate that word now. But I understand what they're saying. Understand that at 21 or 22 weeks, they just lay aside that child and not even try because it's not viable. What the apostle is saying to this lady when he said, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought that we might receive a full reward. He's saying, your life is worth it. Invest in yourself. Be careful of false teachers. Can I, can I say this? Most people that I find that have fallen away are not living for God. They're not coming to church anymore. They have succumbed to the lie of the devil that they're not worth it. That God doesn't love them but he doesn't care. But he's saying to her, you're worth it. You're viable, you're worth You might be the only lady, you and your your children, you might be the only home in your entire city that knows Christ and is living for God, but it's worth it. Keep living for Christ, keep serving Christ, keep reading your Bibles, keep going forward. Oh, I wonder what became of those children because of this godly mother? We never know, do we? We never know. We never know if, if one became a missionary, one became a preacher, or what happened to these children, if they went and won a city for Christ and were faithful to their church. We, we will never know, but we know that she raised some godly children. If she is worth it, her children were certainly worth it. And say, why are we looking at this verse tonight? Because I want to encourage you. I want to motivate you a little bit. Now, let let me say this, and and I'll admit it. There's no excuse if a church is not preaching and teaching the Bible. There's no excuse for that. I mentioned this morning, Darlene, that got baptized, she says, I was a member of a church for 20 years and I even taught Sunday school. And she said, I started coming here and in six weeks I realized I don't know the Bible at all. And that's sad. There's no excuse if a church isn't doing that. And I know you're the Sunday night crowd, so I'm preaching to the choir a little bit. Sometimes the choir needs preaching. He said, Well, I'm just not growing, Pastor. Are you going to Sunday school? I know our Sunday school is. Just because of everything going on and because of our time right now, we're, we're a mess. And so some of it's online. Some of you are in Zoom meetings. Some of you are watching it on YouTube. I, I understand it's all different, but are you taking advantage of that? Are you going to Sunday school? Are you coming to morning service? Are you going to Sunday night service? You're here tonight. What about prayer meeting? Bible study. Seniors on Tuesdays, when? Fall comes, I suppose, or whenever those things get going again. There's a Bible study before your seniors' hour. Do you know that? Are you going to that? What about your Bible? You reading it? You praying? Look to yourselves. Take responsibility. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm like anybody else. I, I like going to a service where the preaching gets going and the music gets going and I like sitting in the, I don't get to do it very often. I don't get to hear preaching very much because I'm up here. But I enjoy that, I enjoy just sit back like a baby bird and say, feed me. I love it And, and thrive on it. But ultimately my spiritual walk is my responsibility. It seems like this lady had nobody else. So John says, take some responsibility. Take, I'm not saying she was swerving or going in the ditch. I, I'm, he's just saying, listen. Let me remind you something. There is antichrist out there. There are false teachers out there. You get into the Word of God, you get grounded. There's no excuse, and walk and live for Christ, because you have a couple of kids that are depending upon you to have a godly mother. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. Just a reminder tonight of who's responsible for you. Thank God that he saved you, that he transformed your life, that his Holy Spirit dwells within you. But he puts the responsibility on you all the time in the scriptures. He says this, walk in the spirit that you fulfill not the lust of the flesh. He says, be filled with the spirit. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. He tells us over and over again, take responsibility. Do something about your spiritual walk. Let's stand together and as the instruments play, if God has spoke to your heart, would you spend some time in prayer right where you are at this altar is fine. Let's do business with God. Let's grab a hold of our responsibility again and no excuses, no excuses. God, I wanna be what you want me to be. I'm gonna pursue it in my life. I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm going to trust in you.